All right, today we're going to discuss chapter one of J.I. Packer's Knowing God. All right. Can anyone remember, just as a little review from the introduction, what was the main reason he wrote the book? What was the impetus for writing the book? What was the problem in American Christianity which led to him spending all this time writing this book? Landon. People didn't know God. Yeah, people were ignorant of God. Didn't know God, so he wrote a book on knowing God. Ignorance of who God is because of humanism, rationalism, skepticism, etc. Arminianism, etc. And of course that, um, that theme continues into chapter 1. There's two major plagues on the church today that he mentions, and that is ignorance of the Bible as a whole and the inability and the unwillingness to apply the Bible to oneself as one reads it and as one learns it, right? So if folks are ignorant of the Bible as a whole and ignorant of how to apply that Bible to their lives or unwilling to apply the Bible to their lives because of their ignorance, what are some solutions that we might have? What are some solutions? What do you think? How can we remedy ignorance other than writing a book entitled Knowing God? What else could we do? Yes? Go to church. Yeah, encourage uh, church attendance. Very good. But is it possible to attend church and still not know God any better? Yeah. Well, sure. I suppose it depends on which church you're attending. Amelia? Pastors must teach the whole law. Yes, encourage, t- encourage um, pastors and teachers to teach the entire counsel of the Word of God without suppressing the unpalatable parts. Yes, what else? What else can we do to remedy ignorance of the Bible? Yes, in the back. Uh, read your Bible and pray. Bible reading and prayer. Very good. That's kind of where we're going. Do you remember the particular subject in chapter 1 that he mentions as it pertains to reading the Bible? You remember? It starts with an M. And it's very similar to our study in Stoicism in Marcus Aurelius' book, What is it? Meditation. Meditation. That's right. Meditation. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Bible meditation. Meditation. There's a reason why you're reading Packer and Marcus Aurelius at the same time. Because you're getting to know two different worldviews. And they both start with meditation. That's right. So in chapter one, he brings up the concept of meditation. And, and uh, I want you, by the end of this class, to understand the difference between Christian meditation and pantheistic meditation or humanistic man, man, uh, meditation. And I want you to know kind of how to do it. So look, look at James chapter one, verse 25. I'm going to read this for us. The Bible says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, that is the Bible, the law of liberty, the Bible, and perseveres. What does it mean to persevere? It means to continue steadfastly in that direction. So one who looks into the Bible and perseveres, looking, continues to look, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So the language there is a little complex, but it's simple. If you look into the mirror and you see a problem with your face that you can change. The person who actually does it, you look into the mirror and you have food in your teeth. The implied um, action is what? Brush your teeth. Yes, brush your teeth. That is the person who will be blessed. 
And when we look into the Bible and we study the law of God, the perfect law of liberty, we do come away with noticing some food stuck in our teeth, so to speak, spiritually. We see our flaws. We see our weaknesses. But the goal is to then act upon those things. And there's various ways in which you would act upon them, all doing all of that in trusting, while trusting Jesus Christ to help you, right? The person who sees the problems but does nothing about it, are they blessed? The person who goes to church but does nothing about what they learn. The person that reads their Bible or sits in, in a, a Bible class or a humanities class and learns various things about themselves and about God but doesn't do anything about it, are they going to be blessed and happy? No, it's the person who um, hears and doesn't forget but does. That's the person who is blessed. And one of the things you can do when you hear the Word of God is meditate. That's one of the things you can do. You can repent, you can confess, you can act, you can pray, you can sing, you can get up and accomplish whatever the task you're being called to do. There's a lot of things you can do in response to the Bible. One of the things you can do in response to looking into the perfect law of liberty is you can meditate. If you stick food into your mouth, what do you do next? You chew. That's right. And meditation is chewing, so to speak. Meditation is, if you're a cow, it is ruminating. Well, if you're a cow, you have four stomachs. And you throw your food back up again after you digest it a bit and you chew on it some more. You all seen cows do that? Just laying there in the sun, chewing. They're chewing their vomit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you all knew that or not. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you're, they're, they're meditating. That's right. The food went into their mouth. And they're really meditating. It goes all the way in, comes back up, chewing on it some more, goes back in, comes back up, chewing on it some more. They're, they're breaking it down and, and, and um, digesting it. It's not easy to digest hay, right? We actually can't digest hay. Um, <clears throat> but God has made a, a, a miraculous uh, technology of turning grass into beef. Um, and, and turning grass into hamburgers and steaks. It's amazing. And it's called ruminating or chewing the cud, meditating. Um, cows can turn grass into protein. It's amazing, right? When you put the Bible into your ears or into your eyes, the, you have to then do something. You want to swallow it, i.e. I, I, I believe it, right? You, so that it can give you nourishment. But before you swallow it, you need to chew on it a bit. That's all meditation is. You read the Bible, and then you chew on it a bit. Apply it to yourself, to your family, to your church, to your town, to your class, to your friends. Ask questions of it. Why is God saying this to me? What does this imply that I should do? Is this true of me? What is true here? What is beautiful here? What does this say about God? How should I... Uh, respond to this? How should I praise God in, in response to this? How should, what should I ask for in response to this? You see, we're just, we're just meditating on it mentally after reading the Bible. Psalm 1 verse 2, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. When he says, he delights in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night. Does that mean he spends his entire day and his entire night walking around just reading his Bible? You're not supposed to do that. 
Like you have babies to feed and, you know, tables to build and, and jobs to do, right? You can't just read the Bible all day long. But you read the Bible some of the day, or you hear the Bible, an audio Bible, or you hear a sermon or a lesson. But then throughout the day, you chew on it. You ruminate on it like a cow in the shade, chewing on his cup. That's right. And as you meditate on the law of the Lord, and God helps you to understand it, to apply it to your life, that's the sort of person that's blessed. So what do we do after we stick the Bible in our mouth? We chew on it. That's right. We meditate on it. Now, what can we meditate on? Well, we can meditate on the Bible. That's Psalm 1, Psalm 119. You can also meditate on creation. Have you ever done that? Have you ever saw something cool in creation and just like you didn't even choose to do it, but it was so cool that you just kind of sat there thinking about it for a little bit? And then someone caught you and wondered what weirdness you were up to. You can meditate on creation, but of course, as you chew on creation, on the beauty of a flower, a sunset, or the ugliness of a pile of dog poop, whatever it is you're meditating on, um, hopefully not that one too much, or else you might have a problem, but whatever it is you're meditating on, of course, you're going to meditate on it, and the Bible's going to be your interpreter, right? What does a rainbow mean? God's promise. God's promise, God's covenant, Right? How do you know that? Because the Bible gave you the interpretation. What do the stars mean? The Bible's given us the interpretive grid. What do the the migrations of geese teach us? Isaiah taught us that. Or what do donkeys teach us? Balaam and Jesus taught us that. What do pigs and pig slop and rebellious children and desperate um, travelers who who really need a bite to eat? The, The way we interpret all these things, the Bible teaches us how to interpret them. And so when we experience them in life and in providence and in history and creation, we can meditate on those things. We can meditate on history and the way God's worked in the past, right? Listen to Psalm 63, 6. This is King David. Listen to what he says. He says, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Is David talking about having the lights on all night long and reading his Bible? All night long, just reading, 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 reading. No, he's talking about something that you do after you read, and that is to study. Or even more specifically, to chew on it, to meditate on it. Make sense? And um, who remembers reading this in chapter 1? A little bit about meditation, right? Yeah, I'm I'm just kind of unpacking for you. Unpacking J.I. Packer's teachings on meditation. All right. Now, how do you do it? How do you do it? I've already kind of given it away, but honestly, you already know how to do it. Everybody does it naturally. Um, We oftentimes, we call it premeditate. And I've already told you, you ask questions. You know, what is true about this? What What truth does this illustrate? You can ask questions, right? You can apply it to different situations, like apply it to this situation with these friends, or apply it to this situation in national politics, or apply it to your own struggle with whatever. There's different ways to meditate on it. Um, but it's kind of like mulling it over in your mind. You're just kind of bringing it back up again, right? You're remembering it. You know what a member is? Like, you're, you know, y'all know that an arm is a member. Did y'all know, y'all know that word? And if your arm is cut off, what do you call that? So I have this arm right here, but it's been cut off. That's called being 
It's been dismembered. Y'all know that word? Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm like, ah, I reach down on the ground and I pick that arm back up and I stick it back on. So that's dismember is chop it off. What would we call putting the member back on? Remember. remember. That's right. Ah, my arm's been remembered. That's what remember means. It means to, to find something that you lost and, and put it back in there. That cow swallows that grass. Ah, I lost it. What? Nope. I brought it back up again. Chew on it some more. Lost it. Bring it back up again. That's all meditation is, really. Certain truths of the scriptures you forget, don't you? You forget that God's in control. You forget that God told you not to be anxious, that he clothes the lilies of the field and he feeds the birds of the air. You forget certain things like that. You get all emo, you get all melancholy, you get all angry and, and uh, in, a, in a, a fuss because you're forgetting, you're forgetting things. You're, you've dismembered reality. You've dismembered the truths. You forget that God says he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. You forget that God said don't have any other idols before me, not even uh, teen idols. Or you forget the things that he says. And so when you chew on it, you remember it back to your, to your life. And that can change you. It can change your emotions. If you're feeling emo and you remember what God's taught you, it can help you not feel that way. If you're feeling angry and bitter and you are meditating, premeditating someone's murder, instead you meditate on the word of God and you remember the truth that he says not to hate your brother in your heart, but to love your enemies in your heart and to pray for those who persecute you, right? So instead of meditating on how many times you'd like to roll over them with a bus, meditate on how you might do good to them and how you might pray for them. And that will help you change your emotions. Your emotions will change from wrath and vengeance to um, contentment and to peace. Make sense? Meditation can change your emotions. It can change your feelings. It can change your actions. Um, And it's not the meditation itself. I don't want you to, it's not the meditation it's, this is not like a technique that masters the universe. Um, it's, it's the fact that you are, it's the word of God um, getting back into your heart and your soul and the spirit of God who uses that word. Your, your act of participation in that process is the meditation. You know, it'd be like steak, milk, for example, does a body good, but, but you do have to drink it. That's all. You know, it's not the drinking that does a body good. It's the milk that does a body good. But you do have to, and it's not very hard. You do have to just do like this, right? You just tilt the bottle a little. You do have to participate in your self-nourishment. All right, good. So real quick, just a little overview. The first thing you do is you read it. Can't meditate on it if you don't know it. Can't really know it if you don't read it or listen to it or hear it. I'm an audio learner. I learn through audio a million times better than I do through reading. I'm a, what do you call that? Audio? Oral? I can't remember the word. But I, I, I learn through hearing. Um, and I have a very good memory of what I hear. Um, and uh, especially lectures and, and um, you know, things like that. But, um, but you can listen to it, you can read it, etc. And then the second step is to meditate on it. 
If you'd like an R, another R word, reflect. You can read it, then reflect upon it. Right? When the angel Gabriel told Mary, you're going to have a baby. And she said, how can that be? It's a pretty good question in my opinion. Right? <laughs> He's like, it's going to be. The Holy Spirit's going to do it. The Bible says she pondered these things in her heart. You understand what she's doing? She's laying up in bed at night and she's thinking about what the angel said, the word of God that came to her. She's thinking about the word of God. Probably a lot to think about, right? She's pondering it, all right? In Eastern meditation, do you all know the difference? In Buddhist or pantheistic Eastern meditation, you're not uh, meditating on the truth or the beauty or the goodness of God as revealed in the word of God. You're meditating on nothingness. You're trying to remove knowledge from your mind rather than renewing your mind by the knowledge of God. So there's a difference. Stoic, Stoic meditation is what? He's meditating on the truths that he has discovered through his own reason and observation. And of course, because he is depending by faith in his own reason and observation, the truths that he discovers are half-truths. There's, there's a lot of truth there, but at the end of the day, they're half-truths. So we as Christians, we receive or read the Word of God. We then reflect upon it, and then we respond to that. So read, reflect, respond. And the proper way to respond, there's many ways to respond, but I already said this, but once again, you can respond in prayer, you can respond in song, you can respond in obedience or action, confession, repentance. There's a lot of ways to respond. Make sense? You can even respond by continuing to reflect upon it or meditate upon it. But the one thing we have to make sure we don't do, and this is what Packer is telling us in chapter one, it's not enough just to Read. It's not enough just to know cognitively. What good is it to, to know cognitively aspects about God if it doesn't compel you to act upon it, right? And he suggests the first thing you do in response is meditation. Right? You certainly want to meditate upon it before you run off and do something. Think about it for a second, right? Ask other people, etc., etc. All right, any questions?